Hello, and welcome to Bonnets at Dawn. I am your host, Team Bronte. Oh, I should probably say my name. (laughs) Say your name. You just did what I did. Ah! Welcome to Bonnets at Dawn. I am your host, Lauren Burke, Team Bronte. And I am your host, Hannah Chapman, Team Austin. This week, we have special announcements. We do. Some of you will have already heard them because we sent out a newsletter, which you can still sign up for. (laughs) You can. I don't know how, but you Um, can do it. Just email us at bonnets at dawn at gmail and, uh, you know, we'll send one over to you someday. I, I feel like the newsletter is going to come out. <clears throat> so like, sporadically. Yeah. Yeah. Like who has time for a newsletter? Not me, but I did just send one out. <laughs> I think some people have time. Some yeah. people have time. All right. Well, you know what? If you guys want one, um, send me an email. If you want the next one, which should probably come out around you know, January or February. Let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the end of summer 2019. Yeah, that's very possible. (laughs) Very, very possible. Also, just like sidebar, I don't know what year it is. What? I keep planning for things that are next year. And then, you know, yesterday I was just like making appointments and then writing, you know, like writing down the dates wrong. Wow. And I'm just like, is it 2018? Is it not? Is it 20? What year is it? It's 1917. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You just got the century wrong. There we go. Probably. I'm a woman out of time. You are. Anyway, let's move it along to our special announcements. I, um, I'll start this off by saying that earlier this summer, I was on the Twitter and I saw that Gaskell House, so we follow Elizabeth Gaskell's house, their heritage site, which is in Manchester, um, had tweeted something like, oh, you know, we have availabilities open this summer for interns. Um, if anyone wants a work study, you know, just shoot us an email and, you know, let us know. And I tweeted back something like, do you take Americans over 30? Because... <laughs> I mean, I don't really know if I can do a work study. I don't know what the legal situation is with that. Also, you know, I just, I just want to kind of come work there or come volunteer there just for fun. Um, because yeah, yeah. And, um, they were like, yeah, absolutely. What, what do you want to do? And so we emailed them and said, Hey, we've got this podcast. It's Austin versus Bronte. But Elizabeth Gaskell does come up quite a bit, um, partially because, uh, you know, she wrote Charlotte's biography, The Life of Charlotte Bronte, and they were friends. But, you know, also North and South is um, a great book. Um, And yeah. Some people think it was ripping off Pride and Prejudice. So, you know, it brings in my girl, Jane. Exactly. So it was like, hey, could we come and could we, you know, just hang out at the house, do some recording, uh, maybe do some special events? And they were so kind. They were just like, yeah, absolutely. Let us know when you want to come. 
So we've got like a bunch of things planned now and it's going to spin off into a little Elizabeth Gaskell mini-series. Yes. I'm super excited. Shall I say about the first bit? Yeah, yeah. Tell us about the first bit. Okay. So the mini-series is going to be broken up into two parts. The first part is kind of super interactive. It's Mm going to be us doing a North and South read-along the entire month of November. So we've worked out how many chapters the book is, which is 52. And each week we're going to do approximately 10 chapters. So we'll read the 10 chapters. We'll do uh, a chapter summary for what we've read. And then we're going to open it up to uh, questions and discussions with you lot reading along. So what we'll do is we'll announce the chapters that we're doing and then you can get in contact with us that week and then we'll record at the end of the week. So we'll include your tweets. We're going to set up a way of including audio messages from you guys. And we're just going to have a big old book club here on the podcast for yeah. November, which is so exciting. It is. Uh, we're gonna... um... Oh, go ahead. So we're going to create a uh, Bonnets at Dawn. Well, we've created the Bonnets at Dawn yeah. Place Facebook group. So if you want to join in in November, that's where we're going to post everything. So you can request to join that. All you need to do is search Bonnets at Dawn, give us a knock, and we'll let you in. Or if you're joining us on Twitter, you can use the hashtag NSBonnets, North yes. and South Bonnets. So NSBonnets. And it's going to be really exciting. I think we're going to have some special guests on there too. So we keep, are. keep your ears open because this is coming up and we're super stoked to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And if you join the Facebook group, um, you will notice there is an album called uh, North and South. In there, we've already sort of uh, broken down the, you know, the chapters and the weeks. Um, and uh, yeah, so like check out all the information in that album and let us know if you have any questions. So yeah, exciting. That is part one is the book club. Um, I am currently securing some special guests for that um it's hard to find elizabeth gaskell guests yeah um but i found two so far that are definitely coming on the show that are awesome um that have really really amazing insights so i'm not going to reveal them just yet but um i will say that like we'll have some like fun giveaways so you know participate and um you might get some special stuff from our special yeah. guests. Yeah. All right. So that's part one. Part two of the Gaskell series will air in January because in December we will actually be going to Manchester. So we're going to be there from December 3rd to December 11th. Um, we will be volunteering at Gaskell House. We will be, you know, interviewing whoever, the, the volunteers, the guests. I mean... We're just going to be like Gaskell, all over there. We'll do a seance. We're not really going to do a seance. We're I not, will not we're be not. involved. Well, what's funny <laughs> is like when I emailed them, I was like, here are our special skills. Hannah is really good at um, all things manual labor. Which is insane because my tendonitis has come back, which means I can't even do my job. My <laughs> actual job. <laughs> and now I've been signed up to work in a tea room for a week. <laughs> Well, you know, when uh, you do reenactment, you know, you're just always like, 
you're you're cooking for everybody. You're bringing water from the river. I was not allowed to carry any water jugs this weekend. Oh, you weren't? No, they're too heavy. They're all made of clay. I couldn't like... I was trying to refill my cup and I kept having to put my cup on the ground and tip the jug with one hand and like (laughs) half the water is going everywhere. Like I I basically have one arm at the moment. It's going to be an interesting Gaskell House tea room experience then for you. If you want to come and have some tea dropped on your lap, by all means, come to Gaskell House (laughs) that first week of December. Well, maybe you should just like scrub the stairs. Like just like clean. Yeah, Cinderella style. Okay, good. I feel like... Cinderella had two arms. <laughs> I just the way maybe, I remember the story, she did. But you when know. you interview people, you only have to hold a microphone. So I could interview people, and you could clean the toilets. I think that sounds like a fair division of labor. We can give it a shot, you know, for a day or two. See what happens. I'm going to tie your arm behind your back so that we're both handicapped. Um, I love that I also only have one good arm because of nerve damage in my left. So. <laughs> Is it your left arm? It's my left arm. We can't even tie our bodies together to have one working body because we've both hurt our left arm. <laughs> Isn't that the same? Everyone's saddest? like, well, luckily, luckily you're right-handed. And it's like, you still do everything with two hands. What is wrong <laughs> with you? Ugh, nightmare. I know, right? So we'll be uh, there complaining about our various health problems. Exactly. Um, what we are going to do is an audio tour. Uh, of the house. So if you cannot make it to Gaskell House, um, you will be able to, you know, listen to our podcast and we'll walk you through the house. Or um, if you can visit Gaskell at a different date, you know, download the tour and then just like let us guide you through the ho- the house. I think that'll be nice. <laughs> it will be like we're there with you. Yeah. Describing various objects and whether or not you can lift them one handed. Yeah. Oh, that's This good. is a chair. I can lift this with one hand. <laughs> this is a box. I cannot lift this book. It'll be a really good tour. It'll be great. Um, one of the other things that we are doing uh, is a little tea time discussion on North and South and the comparisons between North and South and Pride and Prejudice. So we're going to get some people involved uh, in that from Gaskell House. We will try to stream that on our Facebook page. Uh, do a little Facebook live session. So if you are interested in that, go ahead and join our Facebook group. Uh, we'll also probably record that for the podcast as well. But yeah, I guess I guess we could record I guess, it. Either. Yeah, like yeah. if you really if you like really want to hear it. If there's no technical difficulties, <laughs> damn. <laughs> God willing, we'll have to like sacrifice a goat to the podcast. You know, gods that week. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a herd of goats. Yeah. Um, another thing that we are doing is a panel discussion with Amy Robottom from the Bronte Parsonage. Amy, about... we I love know. you. <laughs> we love Amy. Amy has agreed to come down to Manchester, hang out with us. And um, we are going to talk about Charlotte and Elizabeth's friendship, which I think gets off to a really hilarious note. So, oh, I love um, this story. It's great. I'm not going to tell it now. You guys are going to have to wait for it. Save it. (laughs) Going to save it. It's really good. (laughs) Oh, God. We're just, we're out of it today. (laughs) I'm not. I'm in the zone. You are. You're in the zone. I'm terrible because I wasn't, but I am. I just got in it. I (laughs) accidentally stumbled across the zone. I sound like a rambling fool. I have a 
not have enough coffee. <laughs> uh, we do have a guest this week, guys. It's not just us rambling. Yeah, we do. We have a guest. We've got a guest. We've got uh, a guest. Carolyn from the... Lauren, do you want to say where Carolyn is from in your best American accent? <laughs> I like the way that you you like making me say this. I think it sounds like the old, old-timey old radio, like, welcome to KWSKSWMZY. Oh, I see. Okay, that's, okay. That's what it sounds like yeah, in my yeah. head. So Carolyn is from the ICVWW. Perfect. Which stands for the International Center for Victorian Women Writers. You wrote that, Dan. Um, you didn't know that off by heart. I actually do now. <laughs> what? <laughs> now I do. Now that I've interviewed her, I definitely know. Definitely. What those stand for. 10 out of 10 could say that. Say it again. Say it 10 I- times fast. ICVWW, 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 ICVWW. This is like a really good warm up exercise. I should have done that before the podcast because uh, that was only now four I times. feel, I know. <laughs> I was really hoping you were going to do it all 10 times. We could see what the listener drop off is from that point. <laughs> like, do people really want to sit there and listen to you say it? Uh, they probably already dropped off because I've Bye, been guys. such a train wreck. <laughs> yeah. Someone bring me a cup of coffee. I need to teach Watson how to bring me coffee. You know, like he should just be a little dog butler. I just need to train my cats to not throw up on my beds. <laughs> if I mean, if they could just not do that, they can never make me a cup of coffee. I'll be happy. If they could just, I don't know, keep off my bed, that'd be nice. That'd be Apart great. when I'm asleep. If they could just like tenderly sleep next to me, that would be mm-hmm. fine. Uh, and then just not ever be on it any other time. And not and not vomit. Yeah. They're Ideal. just greedy. They eat all their food so fast. We don't want to know uh, about this. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> this is just like part of my daily existence. Dead dead plants and cat vomit. That's the <laughs> name of my autobiography. I would read that. Would you? It's only I one would. page. All of my plants are dead <laughs> and my cats have been sick on my bed. The end. You should turn that in for your dissertation. That's a new poem. It's a little it's a good one. Fiction. I like it. A little flash fiction for you. It's a good one. I like it. Um, so yeah, uh, we we had an interview this week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, we've gone off on this little ramble. I'm not um, sorry. You're not. We uh, reached out to the ICVWW after uh, I found them on Twitter. Again, I just I source everything from Twitter these days. Um, the International Center for Victorian Women Writers, like I said, was established in May of 2012 at Canterbury Christ Church University, and their mission is to research the life and times of women writers of the Victorian period in the early 20th century. Sounds sounds legit. Sounds legit. And uh, I know you got Carolyn's bio over there. What does that say about Carolyn. Carolyn Olson is a professor of Victorian literature and the co-founder and director of the ICVWW. Interests include the literature of Kent and the New Woman, with a particular focus on Mary Chumley. You can find them on Twitter and Facebook at ICVWW. Now, let's go to our interview. Hey, Carolyn. Yeah, okay. So then how long have you been there in Kent? 
Um, for about 15 years now. So oh, nice. okay. my children were born here. So it's, it's nice. I think I may not be from Kent, but they were, you know, they really are. <laughs> <laughs> so you like it over there? So like maybe now for like Americans, you can tell us where that is in England. <laughs> and, okay. It's, so it's on the Southeast coast and on a really, really good day. Well, not a good day, but a, on a very clear day in World War One, you could apparently hear the guns over in France. It's that close. Oh, oh wow. 20 miles, I think, over the channel. And it, it's rumoured that Dame Clara Butt, who's an opera singer, could actually be heard singing if she stood on Dover Cliffs. You oh, could my apparently gosh. Hear her on the other side. So they say. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I, it's very, very lovely. And so you're you're teaching over there. What are you teaching? So I teach creative writing to undergraduates because when I'm not being a Victorianist, I'm a poet. Oh, nice. And yeah, it's lovely. It's a nice combination. Yeah. We have a creative, a creative writing degree program. I teach on that. And Victorian-wise, I do an MA module on literature of the fantasy. So I do a lot of new woman type things and sometimes I teach Dracula oh that sort of yeah odd and unsettled type of literature that you get at the end of the 19th century yeah okay that's fantastic so that's like my favorite kind yeah yeah exactly (laughs) just a little it's fun because they all think when they start that they know what Victorian literature is and then you 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 can hit the students with these really odd texts that just don't feel Victorian to them. Right. Do they think, I guess when they, they think Victorian, they think of the Brontes, they think of George okay. Eliot. So, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. I'm very curious to know, like, what your students think of the Brontes, actually. They tend to love Jane Eyre. That, okay. That, that is the one. I think everybody just falls for Jane Eyre. Trying to get them towards um, Shirley might be a little harder. Okay. Um, Wuthering Heights, because they love Wuthering Heights, but everybody struggles with Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they struggle with Joseph, I think, yeah, in 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 various ways. But just trying to read the dialect can be quite problematic. Yeah. Because it's, it's very, very Yorkshire. Right. It's really tough. I mean, it's a book that like I've tried to read many, many times and just couldn't really get, wrap my head around. And yeah. then I feel like I was somewhere in my 20s and reading it for like the eighth time or something. And I was like, oh, so forget it. Yeah. Now I'm starting to get this book and now I really like it. And then, yeah, I just it's a very challenging book and I'm always trying to sell people on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a hard sell. <laughs> But again, I think what's really interesting about Wuthering Heights is that to students in particular who think they know what Victorian literature is before they start, mm-hmm. you can hit them with that right from the beginning of the period and say, okay, so you think it's all about decorum and propriety and people behaving very well and being chaperoned everywhere. Now, now read Wuthering Heights. Mm-hmm. And it's just so terrifyingly odd and disturbing and and really, really um, so brutal. Re- yeah. I read it again fairly recently and thought, my goodness, there are, you know, there are small children being hurled down the stairs. Yeah. People being physically attacked all the time and the puppies being hanged. And what, what is going on in this book? It's absolutely, it's not subtle, is it? No, not at all. <laughs> 
So yeah. Oh, that's really interesting, actually. Do, do you, you teach any Anne? Any Anne Bronte over there? One of my colleagues actually wrote the introduction to the Wordsworth edition of the Tenant of Wildfell Hall. Oh. I know he did teach it for quite a while. I'm not sure if he's teaching it at the moment because we tend to move around a bit. And sure. You know, once we've been teaching a text for a few years, everybody's ready for a break. So it kind of comes and goes. But yeah, Fair I enough. Fair enough. And I, th- I think that goes down well with our students as well. But again, maybe it's topical that the idea of how do you live with somebody abusive? How mm-hmm. do how do you manage if you don't want to move your child away from home, and yet home isn't a very good environment for that child to be? The whole question of which parent has more rights to the child? Who should be bringing up a young child? That, they're questions that people are still asking and still really interested in, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I That was another book I came to really late, and I was, like, very shocked by how modern it felt. Yes, exactly, yeah. And it, it's strangely forgotten about. And mm-hmm. I, I just don't really know why. Maybe when you have too many sisters, one is just going to be... <laughs> that is... Like, that's the next stage of my research, to be honest with you. Like, we're trying to figure out... What's going on with Anne? Yeah, exactly. Why no one remembers Anne? It's so odd, isn't it? Because The Tent of Wildfell Hall is just actually a really fantastic book. And I wonder if people will come back to it. Now there's more interest in epistolary fiction and fiction that uses diaries and life writing. Because that layeredness is so interesting and the different perspectives. Yeah. you know, you're you're reading a story about somebody who is really different from the girl you see in the diaries, where she's so easily swept off her feet by handsome face in the ballroom. Mm-hmm. And by by the time you get to all that, you know that's not how it turns out. That's not how she sees herself. I think. Um, well, the, I think there's a BBC or ITV. There's like an adaptation in the future. So what I'm hoping is that you know, with a film or the tv series adaptation like that will spark more interest in Anne's work this is like my fingers crossed yeah absolutely because it's about time it really is about time but um yeah you know she's just she's not as dynamic as emily and or as prolific really i guess as charlotte which is yeah yeah and of course charlotte lived long enough to do to do a bit more and yeah to- and I suppose maybe that comes down to legend as well. If you're the last one standing, yeah, that becomes a bit of a myth in itself. For sure, that's a good point. So, um, so yeah, poor Anne. Yeah, <laughs> I think about her all the time. <laughs> now, um, how did the? I'm going to like butcher this. I C V W W. Yeah, I know. Isn't it just the least catchy name you've ever heard in your life? How did it come about? <laughs> How did it come about? Yes. Well, we came up with the idea, oh, uh, probably around 2010, 2011, we started talking about it. And we actually became a centre in 2012. Because there wasn't one. It really was as simple as that. <laughs> if you Google Victorian Studies Centre, you'll find quite a few of them. But there just wasn't a centre that was focused on Victorian women writers as opposed to Victorian writers in general. Mm-hmm. Okay. And given that there's such a massive interest in Victorian women writers as as women, it just seemed absolutely crazy that there wasn't a centre that would 
start to bring together that research and bring people together who wanted to talk about that. So yeah. we got in quick before anyone else. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> who was all involved in this scheme? So were you in on the ground floor as well? Or? Yeah, I was. I co-founded it with Adrian Gavin, who was working at Christchurch at the time. She's now based in Auckland, in fact. But we, it was literally, it was just the two of us. And we had our offices opposite each other, <laughs> literally directly opposite each other, in one of the, the buildings on the campus here. And we were in and out of each other's offices all the time talking about Victorian women writers. And we thought, <laughs> this really, you know, it just seems like a timely thing to do. There must be, and we know that there are other people who want to talk about this. But there's something about being a centre that makes you much more visible. Right. And it actually creates that sense of identity I guess, that you can bring people together as a centre, as a thing that you can't do just as individual researchers. Mm -hmm. And then um, what kind of stuff have you guys been working on? Well, our big thing, of course, is the Bronte to Bloomsbury project. That is, in terms of stretching, the Victorian, you can't stretch it much further than that. Right. Where we, we really wanted to do some work that would bring together lots of people working literally from the 1840s to the 1930s because famously the modernist writers said that they were rebelling against what they saw as their Victorian past and this always makes Victorianists a little bit edgy because we think that in order to reject everything that they see as Victorian they first need to decide what they think that is mm -hmm which is a very easy thing to do. Like we all rebel against our parents because we think that they're boring, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So in fact, we wanted to show what, well, because we suspected that there, one thing that there are links between the Victorian period and the early 20th century that people aren't really sufficiently aware of. And one of the first things that came out of doing that kind of work and thinking about it is just the number of Victorian writers who were still around. So Mary Braddon is still around into the First World War. Mary Chumley lives until the 1920s. Netta Surrett, who's a really interesting fascicular uh, writer, is actually around writing her autobiography in the 1940s. And Sarah Grant goes on to head up the Tunbridge Wells branch of the women's suffrage movement. So it was one way to show that connectedness, but also to start challenging the idea that the 20th century just kicks out anything Victorian as being unimportant and somehow does better or improves on it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we did want to think about how women's writing changes and how women writers engage with the idea of just what it means to be a woman and a writer across that period where it is perhaps quite difficult and there are constraints that they have to negotiate or work around. And mm -hmm. it seemed like a really good way as well to be a bit less combative about the Victorian 20th century um, shift and to start thinking instead, well, what do these writers have to say to each other? How many of them are still around? How do they engage with a new generation of writers? And how are they finding new ways to express their concerns over that period? So that's our really big project. And then we do other things around that. So we have a digital project that we're really proud of called Gates to the Glorious and the Unknown, which is in essence a local studies 
project, but it's very Victorian and flexed, loosely inspired by Lady Audley's Secrets. So we have a character called Lucy who gets on a train in, at Victoria Station in London in the 1860s, and then she time travels down the line and actually meets T.S. Eliot at the, <laughs> at the end of Margate Sands, connecting nothing with nothing. And the idea is that you follow her down the line, and at every stage you can decide what she does, because you're literally rewriting her history. We, we wanted to ask oh, very cool. yeah. questions. So, so she can get to Chatham, and a nice young man offers to show her around the town. And obviously <laughs> it's a very bad idea to accept this invitation. But as the user you actually get to decide. There's a, there's a neo-Victorian text that tracks her down the line and it will say, do you go with this man or not? Or are you going to go somewhere else? So it's a, mm-hmm. it's based on those choose-your-own-adventure yeah, stories. Yeah, I was about to say, this is a choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> You're making me want to go back and just exclusively study Victorian women writers. Too. I what a way to spend, yeah, what a way to spend the summer. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like thinking too, because we've talked about, you know, after we finished like Austin versus Bronte, like which yeah. writers like we would maybe tackle next. If you have any suggestions. Oh goodness, for um for 19th century writers. Yeah. I am always plugging this one, but I would say Mary Chumley for me uh, every okay. time. Okay. She's my list. It's impossible to spell Chol Mundley if anybody wants to look her up, mm-hmm. but 1899 Red Pottage, I think, for, for me, is one of the most significant books of that decade. Okay. All right. It really is. Absolutely. And it's about a Victorian woman writer and how difficult it is for her. Everybody knows that she's a genius. Everybody knows her work is important, except her own family. And it's her own family that she has to live with. Okay. And just how that pans out. It's an absolute, it's a very disturbing book in some ways, but it's also very, very inspiring. It was written by somebody who really knew what she was talking about because she had found it very difficult sometimes to find time to write her books because of her family circumstances. She was also ill a lot of the time and she was given morphia for her illness, which meant that at the time she was writing Red Pottage, she'd accidentally or inadvertently become addicted to morphia because they were injecting it into her every time she had an asthma attack. Oh, my gosh. So exactly. And and you can see the interplay between her life and the book is really interesting mm-hmm. because there are, there are passages in Red Pottage that are taken almost straight from her diary about what it means to be a woman writer at this time. Okay. I just find that book incredible. You can tell. Yeah. Incredibly inspiring. I'm putting it on my list. Like the thing about oh, this podcast I mean, is it's crazy. Like I get so many great book recommendations. I know that's just the thing, isn't it? And there's this long list. So yeah, if I had like three lives, I could get through all these. I know. Right. But uh, that sounds fantastic. Like absolutely up my alley. I am. I mean, obviously I'm team Bronte. So <laughs> <laughs> So now I was really, um, I was kind of surprised by your favorite Charlotte Bronte book. I don't know if you want I, to tell everyone. I'm really happy about it, though. It's Villette. <laughs> I just, I'm crazy about Villette. What I love about Lucy Snow, I think, is that she gives us that look behind the scenes of Victorian culture. <laughs> so she's not like a Braddon heroine who's going to do um, lots of naughty things like marry one man when she's already married to someone else or try and kill anyone. Or... 
disgrace herself in some way. Lucy Snow is absolutely not going to disgrace herself. She will be the perfect Victorian woman, the embodiment of that feminine ideal that's very still mm -hmm. and controlled. But what she allows us to see is the cost at which women are able to embody that ideal. And I think we tend to look back at some of these very perfect, slightly boring heroines and just think, my goodness, you're so lifeless and inert. Right. And, and she is actually saying to us, no, look more closely. You can look at any drawing room that you go into and there are these very polite, very decorous Victorian women. But do you have any idea what's going on in their minds? Of course you don't, because they'll never tell you. Mm -hmm. And that's so powerful. Now, are you an Austin fan at all? I hate to admit it, but I am. I, I, I like. <laughs> totally no, fine. I know. I'm letting the side down, but I do. I do like Austin as well. <laughs> What's your favorite and least favorite on that side? Um, Mansfield Park, I find completely impossible to come to terms with. Mm -hmm. I think my favorite is is might be an unusual one as well. Is Persuasion? Oh no, that's that's my co-host's favorite. Yeah, she loves loves that book. Love love loves that book. So, <laughs> yeah, I think you can spot the diehards on in both camps because they'll say Valette and Persuasion, yes. not Aaron Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> That's absolutely true. <laughs> There's a kind of subtle snobbery in it, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> so now, what is coming up for the ICVWW? Is there anything, any like lectures? And I know you're hitting summer, so. Yeah, well, we've got our summer conference coming up. Oh, um, yeah, tenth to eleventh of July. So it's a bit—it's a bit of a long way for you. <laughs> I can't help feeling, but yeah. But anybody who is anywhere near Canterbury, tenth to eleventh of July, we've got our conference this year. Is the first one that barely touches. Well, actually, no, it doesn't even touch at all the nineteenth century because our Bronte to Bloomsbury project has gone down the decades. We started with eighteen forties, fifties, then sixties, seventies. 80s, 90s. Mm -hmm. And so now our conference is on women's writing of the 1900s and 1910s. So we're, we're actually starting to look back part, as part of what we're doing in this conference at what writers at the start of the 20th century had to say about their Victorian parents. Oh. And exactly. And so, you know, some feathers are going to fly, we're hoping. <laughs> also, what some Victorian writers like Mary Chumley, who I'm speaking about, are starting to say in the new century and how do they how do they manage that because they're known as Victorian writers but it's not the Victorian period anymore so what impact does that have on their writing so I'm hoping it's going to be very exciting that does sound good any um insight onto like what people were saying about the the Brontes at that point um cool I should have thought of this oh no um, I just threw it at you yeah, yeah, out of nowhere, out of nowhere that came. I think the Brontes, I mean, this is off the cuff, right? But sure. I, I think there is a slight sense in which maybe they were already suffering from that blanket that descends over anything Victorian. I mean, I think that this period, they saved their greatest contempt for, for Dickens, mm -hmm. who is just, you know, absolutely scoffed at by everybody at around the, around this time. And I think probably Emily is, you know, somebody's called her the wild child, probably escapes some of the consumely that is descending over other Victorian novelists. Mm -hmm. um, and still, I think the Brontes actually, they're getting away with it a little bit as well 
but the but maybe being damned with faint praise. I do remember actually there's um there was an exhibition of Victorian novelists just before the First World War, I think it is. But they're pitched as maybe a kind of heritage nostalgia thing. Aren't they sweet? They're the daughters of a clergyman and they wrote books. Mm-hmm. And I don't know which is worse, to be forgotten or to be, you know, dressed up as a heritage object. Right. So I think maybe there was a little bit of that going on as well. Yeah, I, I see a lot of that, especially in like older books about the Brontes too, or just yeah. people like, oh, they were just these three women in the middle of nowhere. These books just came out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, not really. <laughs> and that sort of that there was a uh, this idea that was perpetuated was that they were uneducated, you know, that they were just sort of in a in a house in the middle of nowhere and just yeah. came out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's, there's that attitude is very persistent, even among some academics to Victorian women writers in general, that they didn't have much education. And then you, can, you look at their diaries and think, OK, so here's somebody saying, I'm a bit bored, so I'm going to go off and read a novel in French. Oh, and then I read the newspapers in German before mm-hmm. sitting down to play a bit of Chopin. These are not uneducated people in that sense. Right. You know, there, obviously there are huge gaps in their education, but equally... The idea that speaking a foreign language or two is just a kind of pretty accomplishment to, is it, to anybody. And of course, <laughs> I speak as, by, you know, like you, an English speaker. Who it, there's always that problem, isn't there, that notoriously we're not good at learning foreign languages because we never need to. Right. So I think for anybody whose first language is English, it's just actually, this is really impressive. You're people who see yourselves as being totally uneducated. Yeah. But your idea of a fun time is just to sit down and read Les Miserables in the original. <laughs> <laughs> and now, um, so there's also this other thing that kind of pops up a lot, too, which I'm going to touch on in our conspiracy theory episode, which is that Branwell wrote those books. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> I mean, when? In what? <laughs> In what time and in what kind of state? I mean, really? It's unbelievable to me. It drives me crazy. And um, like part of me tries not to talk about Branwell so much on this podcast because I just don't want to give him any more credit. And I just. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then at the same point, I'm just like, ah! <laughs> that I'd never even heard that. I mean, oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, and I hope never to hear that again because that is just ludicrous. And we're back. Uh, thank you, Lauren, for uh, talking to Carolyn. That was really interesting. And I'm so sorry that we talk about Branwell Bronte so damn much. But I cannot promise <laughs> that we won't continue to talk about him all the time. The jokes are too easy. He just keeps coming back. He's like a bad smell. He is. He really is. Um, I am hoping, you know, maybe we can circle back with the ICVWW again sometime soon, especially since we're doing the Gaskell, you know, mini series. I'd love to hear their take on, you know, North and South. Having like actual actual people who know what they're talking about on the podcast, right? It helps. It does help. Makes a difference. It really, really does, right? You just sit sit in our rooms, slowly losing our minds into microphones. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, basically. (laughs) So before the interview, we were talking about our uh, Gaskell miniseries, and it might have sounded like you're not going to get any bonnets at dawn, Austin versus Bronte content for a few months, but 
Lauren's about to explain. Don't worry, we're not leaving you. We're not. We're not. So like we said, we've got the North and South Book Club in November. And then in December, when we actually go up to Gaskell House, um, we have some, you know, pre-taped episodes, uh, Austin versus Bronte themed, of course, that we will be running. Uh, one will be a Christmas special. Yes. Another one will be a uh, best of because believe it or not, we edit a ton out of this podcast. This intro and outro alone, I think has about an hour of audio that you will never hear. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. It has so many Terminator jokes, guys. So many. So many Game of Thrones and Doctor Who things that have just been thrown out. Just burn it. You've got to kill it with fire. Tossed aside. Kill it before it lays eggs because otherwise... I'm just going to do the intro like, hi, my name's Hannah Chapman, and all I want to talk to you about is Game of Thrones. <laughs> That's it. That's it. So, um, yeah, you'll get some of those best bits in December. And uh, you'll also get our Naughty Bonnets episode. So what happened there was we sent out copies of the erotic versions of Pride and Prejudice and Wuthering Heights out to some of our friends and now we want to get their thoughts on it and um, just have a discussion in general about erotic retellings of Jane Austen and Bronte sister books. So yeah, that'll be happening in December. I'm excited and in January. That. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. Just like some fun bits. Um, and then in January, we'll be back with the rest of the Gaskell miniseries. So all the stuff that we taped in Manchester, we will edit, get that up in January and then in February, we are taking a break. We are. It won't be a very long break, but we will be taking a break because also we, we do have to focus on writing this book. Only a little bit. Only a little bit. <laughs> Only a little bit. Just a little bit. So we should probably um, get some chapters of this book done. And then also we'll be prepping season two, which I have some really big plans for season two. So hold on to your butts. Now, speaking of the book, very quickly, I just want to say a huge thank you to all of our supporters over on Unbound. I've got some interesting news. As of today, I would say that it's an even split between the Team Austin and the Team Brontes. I know. I was winning. You were winning until this morning. So, you know, <laughs> thanks very, very much to Denise Comesha uh, for coming over to Team Austin, helping level the playing field there if anyone else wants to come on and give me a little boost so that we're in the lead that would be great uh, also a huge thank you to uh, the following people for uh, helping us make this book a reality we really appreciate it so thank you to Clements Prozen, Amanda Schwartz, uh, Denise again, Lauren Van Mullen, Melissa Yulwan, oh, guys I'm sorry, uh, Jahari Ismail, Abby Daly, Jennifer, could I, could I not say surnames? <laughs> guys you've got such <laughs> long names uh jennifer mager sauerwald miranda dickinson christopher stewart louise logan jorge garzon my mum, Anne marie dumbleton thank you mum, i love you <laughs> glenn turner <laughs> joanna wilson sj holgate mark brownlow and nikita harvey thank you guys thank you so, so much. much um come on team ronte come on you can do it. Help me out. Give us a hand. Let's get back on top. 
No. Back on Austin's top. Austin's going to win. Man, I, um, I'm nervous because we have uh, our next big versus battle is uh, Persuasion versus Villette. And I think that... Um, wow, that Persuasion's going to win. Gonna, I think Persuasion's going to win. I'm win. reading it right now and I'm keeping a Persuasion diary. And I can't wait to see your reaction to my persuasion diary. What I might do is finish my persuasion diary and send it to you for the podcast so that you can then mark it up and then we can discuss it. Um, so if you honestly, if you don't think it's one of the most beautiful books ever written, I might leave the show. I have a lot of thoughts. No! <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping them all inside. I hate, I'm for just, now. it's so tense. I feel like I've I've given so much ground over to just being like, you know what, the Brontes, I'm enjoying it. And I just, I'm so scared that you're just going to rip my one of my favorite books <laughs> apart. I just think it's so beautiful. Uh, just stay stay tuned for my persuasion diary. I'm keeping, just as I have thoughts, I just write things the down. The suspense is killing me. Yep. All right, guys, as always, you can find us on the internet at Bonnets of Dawn on Twitter instagram and uh now facebook yeah come and come and find us on facebook yeah come talk to us and uh we will be back next week we are going to start our road trip diary series so hold on to uh, your hit butts. us back because <laughs> it's a bumpy ride i can't remember who i stole that from if you guys remember let me know stole what from hold on to your butts i feel like there's just a common turn of phrase isn't it Oh, I don't, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I'm sorry. Look, I'm sorry if I've stolen your intellectual property. <laughs> but you don't listen to this podcast if you invented it. You'll sit on millions from coming up with hold on to your butts. <laughs> don't mind me. <laughs> don't. Don't do it. Don't do it.